How does the Damian Lillard trade influence the Western Conference? And could the Jazz go after Drew Holiday or try Tyler Hero now? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here. Honored and excited to be with you ahead of jazz basketball. I can't wait for that as just as much as you can. That's where I'll start with the introduction today. I am a diehard Utah Jazz fan who is a credentialed NBA draft analyst for Locked On NBA Big Board, attendee of the 2023 Combine, lover of college basketball, someone who can educate you on a lot of these players, as well as a broadcast assistant and statistician for the Utah Jazz, whose main hope for this is that the Jazz get better. So I have all the same intentions as you do. And so now I'm going to break down some possibilities for the Utah Jazz after the shocking landscape-altering move in the NBA of Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. Today's question is, what seed do you think the Jazz will get in the West? In the first segment, I'll recap the Damian Lillard trade and who got whom and outline the potential ramifications of the deal. In the second segment, I'll provide a pitch for how the Jazz could align themselves nicely to become trade partners with the Blazers, as well as the Heat due to this trade, who I think both are enormously important to what happens next in the NBA. In the third segment, I'll predict how many minutes and points per game I expect from the top rotation players on the Utah Jazz to to get both in minutes and in terms of how many points they score per game. And I'll break down why. All right, let's dive right in. Damian Lillard was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. It was not the Miami Heat. The Blazers held out, waited for a trade option, and they found one. And I think they made a good trade. So here's the trade. In exchange for Damian Lillard, Portland will receive Drew Holiday, an unprotected 2029 first round pick, a first round pick from first round pick swaps in 2028 and in 2030 from Milwaukee, along with center DeAndre Ayton and a forward Tumani Kamara from Dayton, who was drafted 52nd overall by Phoenix. The Suns will receive center Yusuf Nurkic and forwards Nasir Little and Keon Johnson from the Blazers, along with guard Grayson Allen from the Bucks. Terms of the deal were first reported by ESPN. Okay, my initial reaction to this is that the Bucks felt pressure from Giannis, saying he doesn't know what his future ha- has in store, and if they're not aligned with contending when his next contract is up, it's no certainty that the Milwaukee stalwart stays in Milwaukee. And therefore, they made something happen. They made something happen for their star. They complimented him with a player that fits nicely around him, someone who can space the floor, open the space around Giannis up. Giannis can be a force defensively. Dame can help him score offensively. Chris Middleton is still there. But it does sadden me they lost Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is one of those guys who's extremely likable. I don't know anyone as a player, uh, as a fan who doesn't like the player, Drew Holiday, and you want to see him to contend for championships, and the Bucks were a fun spot for him, and he recently was quoted saying he's a lifelong Buck and he hopes to retire a Buck. So that's not going to happen. It's a shame. It's part of the business. Damian Lillard the Bucks though, and that you have to say they're winners in a way, a way because they get a premier talent to compliment Giannis Antetokounmpo. Drew is a is a winner. The way he plays is conducive to winning basketball. And he's a guy who helps you win now. Not like he could be a nice veteran leader for young pups in Portland, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. So the other thing that Portland did there is not only did they get a good player, 
They got someone who's going to be coveted for teams that that are going to give them draft picks and expiring contracts and build them into a team with a lot of assets along with a lot of talent in their backcourt. They have Anthony Simons, they have Scoot Henderson, they have Shaden Sharp. All three are phenomenally talented and now will be given the chance to grow because I don't think Drew Holiday is going to play for the Portland Trailblazers. I think he's going to be trading. Or if he does play, it's going to be brief. Uh, they also got DeAndre Ayton, who's being swept under the rug as like an afterthought in this trade. DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick a couple of years ago and has been a productive player on a team that's reached the NBA Finals. A lot of people are critics of DeAndre Ayton because he played kind of soft, effortlessly at times, was outplayed by Jock Landle at times by the Sun uh, on the Suns. But he's a guy I expect for the Blazers with less pressure, the ball in his hands a little more frequently to be a near 20 and 10 guy. I could see like 18 and 12. That's pretty hard to do. And talent is talent. There's a lot of people that say, oh, Yusuf Nurkic to the Suns. He, he, they, they gained. Yusuf Nurkic is getting older, coming off a of calf surgery, and DeAndre Ayton's the better player, in my opinion, anyway. But, you know, the Suns made it out all right as well. I just want to point that out, that the Blazers got another good piece, not just the assets that you can probably acquire for Drew Holiday. The Suns added depth. It's Grayson Allen and Yusuf Nurkic as the main main parts of that. Uh, Nurkic is a mightily sufficient eight in replacement, but he doesn't really turn the ticker for me. Uh, he's struggled health-wise of late. Hasn't been the same player the last two seasons. He was a winning player for the Blazers that, were really built around Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and he was the third best player on those teams. Question for me and the Suns is really, can he be a defensive anchor as he's gotten older, as the game's transitioned to be more switch-oriented, as someone who's going to have to defend for some very heavily offensively-oriented players? I think offensively, he's a great fit. He's got good hands, he's got good touch, can space the floor a little bit will rebound, won't be too mad that he's not getting the ball a ton or with, with these players who will create him open shots when he does get the ball. I just have my concerns defensively and, and health-wise. Grayson Allen's going to thrive from getting wide open shots being lower on the scouting report than he, he will ever normally be because of all the offensive talent in Phoenix. That's a great pickup. But I think the Suns come away maybe net neutral. Like they maybe gain a little bit of depth. I think they lose in terms of their premier talent. Talent really takes you a long way, and DeAndre Ayton has that. The largest domino, though, that I see is yet to fall is do the Heat still pursue a deal with Portland? They didn't get Damian Lillard, and who else could be involved to facilitate this? I think the Heat still could be interested in Drew Holiday, and according to uh, ESPN, there are some tweets that say the Heat are rumored to be interested in, in, uh, in a guy like Drew Holiday. You wonder, does Drew Holiday to the Heat happen, and, and what would happen? Would Tyler Hero be part of that deal? That's where the jazz factor in. We're going to touch on that a bit as well. Another part of that is now if Tyler Hero is not factoring in, do you play Drew Holiday Tyler Hero together? And and that's probably what you want. But then what do you give up? Now, if it's Tyler Hero, is Drew Holiday worth that? Because now your, your asset that you're giving up in Tyler Hero and Drew Holiday's contracts mostly mix but also you're giving up a 23-year-old for a 33-year-old. One of them's got two years on the contract, and one of them's got four. I don't know. I, I just I have my questions about how that happens, but the Heat do seem like they really want to contend immediately because they sense their window. Despite Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero currently on the roster, Jimmy Butler's window is being the dude and someone who can really change the trajectory of a team and win you series, not just games, but series in the playoffs 
may be slimming. Kyle Lowry is is aging. They lost Gabe Vincent. Is Caleb Martin going to play at the same level? We'll see. We will see. All right. So let me let's talk about that in a moment. But first, let me tell you about DoorDash. Do you need fresh groceries for the week, but don't have the time to go to the store? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it, right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now they can get you your grocery favorites as well. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. DoorDash won't let you get the wrong things and and, and have that be... That's nothing's worse than getting a substitute that's nowhere near what you want. But DoorDash will never let that happen. They're too good for that. So sit back and enjoy your quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. Want even more value? You can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites for a delivery fee of just $0 on all eligible eligible orders with a DoorDash, DoorDash Dash Pass membership. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONMBA at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20. No minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees off. Or zero deliveries on your first order. When you don't download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMBA. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A. Don't forget, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All righty, welcome back into Locked on Jazz. How did the Utah Jazz get impacted by Damian Lillard going to the Bucks? Well, you could simply say, well, the Jazz play Damian Lillard two fewer times per year now and likely are not going to be torched as badly, as frequently. But that's not the point you're trying to listen to. But it's worth noting, Damian Lillard really did play well in Utah every time, did the Weber State native or, or alum. Uh, the first way is I think the Suns stayed about the same and the Blazers got worse. So those are two of the Western Conference teams. I talked recently about the talent levels of the West and I was going to do an episode with a coach and, and talk about how the Jazz could supersede and and outperform their talent level and where he would see where the Jazz were. So I was curious to see where he thought the Suns were compared to the very top because at the very top of their roster, they're unbelievable. Their depth is fairly thin. Does talent outweigh uh, depth, we'll see. And I think Yusuf Nurkic and Jason Allen add a bit to depth, but I think they lose in top-end talent, losing DeAndre Ayton. So that's where I would start with the impact of how the Utah Jazz are impacted. The second part, which is probably more important to the, those of you listening, is that the Blazers now have Drew Holiday along with all these young guards. On one hand, they could be mentored. But on the second, I think the Jazz could offer a compelling package for Drew Holiday. Could the Jazz be interested? I'm not sure he perfectly aligns with the timeline, especially because his contract's not super long. He doesn't have that many controllable years. He's 33 years old. But Drew Holiday is the premier guard defender in the NBA. It's he and Marcus Smart. And he's a better scorer than just about any player that's on the market, and he compliments your defense. Could he be the mentor for Keontae George? Could he be someone that pushes the Jazz into the top top degree of contenders in the Western Conference? with a lineup that features Drew Holiday, Jordan Clarkson perhaps, could be Ochag Baji, Lowry Markin, and John Collins Walker-Kessler. That's a good team. Drew Holiday would certainly push the Jazz forward from where they are right now. He'd also provide lots of assets should the Jazz go after him just like he would for the Blazers. But I don't, 
I don't know if he's the most likely candidate for the Jazz, but I also think he opens up avenues for the Jazz to be a facilitator of trades. Here's a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski. You guys know and love Woj. He drops Woj bombs. Here's here's one of them. The Blazers remain engaged elsewhere on deals and will and, and will do so. They're expected to immediately engage contending teams on trade talks to move Drew Holiday. Sources tell ESPN Portland is committed to its young group of talented guards. So to me, that moves Drew Holiday's likely to be moved sooner rather than later because I don't think you'd play him and risk injury and lose that that player that could be there. I think they move him sooner rather than later, and he likely does not play for the Portland Trailblazers, but they would accumulate assets, which is exactly what the Blazers would do. Now, could the Jazz be interested in pursuing Drew and let him push the Jazz forward and in the short term do so, and in the long term, maybe more importantly for the Jazz in terms of their true title aspirations, groom Keontae, give him someone to emulate, someone to learn from, battle against in practice, get better offensively because Drew will push him to the utmost degree because of his defensive proficiency. Could we get someone who scores 18 points a game as an all-defensive team member to complement against the scoring uh, the scoring prowess of Jordan Clarkson, someone who can encourage and teach Ochag Baji, someone who can get the best out of Lowry Market and John Collins and Walker Kessler and the Jazz would formulate one of the best defenses in the NBA anchored by Kessler and Holiday. You know, I, I, I'm not even rambling too much there. That, that's something that could be very much enticing. Do the Jazz have the best packages? I'd say they've got among the best packages of teams that want to contend. The question is how quickly do the Utah Jazz want to contend? Obviously, and ideally, yes, you want to do that, but you don't want to sacrifice your future. Some of the best assets the Jazz have and why they're positioned so well in the future are because while they're young players, their young core that's on tame contracts for the most part develops, they have these youthful players that are going to combine with their hopefully slam dunk lottery picks if they do not make it far. And if they progress well, they still have a lot of these picks and can trade to make themselves better by getting a Drew Holiday. They can do so by getting other players that are on the market because they have all these picks that have them so well aligned after trading Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And the Jazz are way ahead of the curve. So the Jazz do have the assets to go for Drew Holiday. Now, do they see themselves jeopardizing their chances by getting Drew Holiday is the question. Or do they think they accelerate their chances and do not sacrifice their long-term chances? That's the question for Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, and company. Now, there's another option to this. Another team goes after Drew Holiday because they will. And I'm not just saying just this team, but another, other teams as well. I'd imagine he goes to a team with immediate aspirations to win that where it's conceivable. One team that has a winning culture that has its own little verbiage around it is heat culture. I mean, that's that's like a description of, of gritty, tough basketball that really fits what Drew Holiday embodies. Could the Heat go after him? Does that mean Tyler Hero is still expendable to them on the market? I think it's less likely Hero is on the market as willingly as he was when Damian Lillard was there because Drew costs less than Damian Lillard. He's older, and he doesn't push the needle quite as much as Damian Lillard. That's no slight on Drew Holiday. That's just how unbelievably good Damian Lillard is. Damian Lillard is a 30-a-game guy who has track record of being great in the playoffs, who is reliable, scores from all areas of the court, bends defenses, and just wants to win. The Milwaukee Bucks got a great player. Now, Drew Holiday has won a championship and has been integral in the success of the Milwaukee Bucks recently. A team that could could fit with a defensively-oriented guard who can score the ball and complement Jimmy Butler as the true star 
and they have Bam out of bio is another one. The defense would be no issue for the Miami Heat there. Now, does that move them to the championship contenders? Can they contend with the aforementioned Milwaukee Bucks led by Giannis and Dame and Chris Middleton? I don't know. Are they on the same level with the Boston Celtics? You wouldn't have thought so this past year, and they didn't even have Tyler Hero. Does that make Tyler Hero expendable? And, and are the Miami Heat thinking of themselves as contenders? I think they probably do. So maybe this is possible. Now, how does that mention? Uh, I mentioned how does that impact the Jazz? If the Miami Heat push for a Drew Holiday, I don't think that the Blazers want Tyler Hero. And therefore, the Jazz are a tertiary party, someone who could be a peripheral facilitator, to quote what, uh, what um, Zach Fisher was talking about, or Jake Fisher was talking about. And I think the Jazz could be one of those teams. I think they're listed as one of the top contenders, both by betting websites to get land Tyler Hero and by just experts on Twitter uh, of you know, thinking aloud, saying, okay, well, if this happens and Drew's going for the heat, who could be the team that lands Tyler Hero? Because Tyler Hero would impact the many guards who would want the ball in their hands in Portland. I mentioned this yesterday. It would be prudent for the Jazz to consider adding Hero for these reasons. He's 23 years old, and in two of his four professional seasons, he scored over 20 points per game in the regular season. He's played in the playoffs. He's His team has made the finals. They have winning aspirations, so his points aren't meaningless. These are not empty calorie points. He has a controlled contract with time to grow, meaning that the Jazz could trade him in that same time frame. He won't walk away. You're not giving up talent of your own to get a player who will just up and leave right after. He would be there, and the Jazz could have him be part of their immediate future and long-term future, or they could have him be part of their immediate future and trade him for someone they deem to be better in the long-term future. I think this would be a prudent move for the Utah Jazz. I mentioned that in yesterday's episode. Every dares don't want to repeat that too much, but I think it's important to preface that this, this trade doesn't mean that the Jazz are completely out of options to change their roster and hopefully upgrade their roster. And in, Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge certainly have, been, been doing a great job in that regard throughout this offseason, getting John Collins for pennies on the dollar. You know you know exactly what happened with Damian Lillard, or excuse me, Donovan Mitchell, and, and what the Jazz got back. I think the Jazz for Donovan Mitchell got back better value for their dollar, and obviously it helps when you get Lowry marketing, than did the Portland Blazers for their home star, Damian Lillard. I think the Jazz got better value for Rudy Gobert than did the Blazers and so I think the Jazz are really well situated. So we'll see what happens. I, I would I would say the Jazz are going to be an interesting team to monitor, especially as rumblings around Drew Holiday pick up. And maybe Tyler Hero is on the market just in general and the Heat want to get off $30 million. I think that's less likely. I think he'd be a third team. So we'll see what the Jazz do. More NBA talk around the corner. And I'm going to take a look at, and a swing at predicting the Jazz lead players in terms of points per game, minutes per game, and analyze why it is I think the way I do about the distribution of minutes and how I think they're going to score the basketball coming up next. But first, a few messages from sponsors. Welcome back on to Locked On Jazz. Thanks for making it your first listen every day for your everydayers. You guys heard me talk about Damian Lillard and Tyler Hero and how that could impact the Jazz. Now it's Tyler Hero uh, and Drew Holiday that maybe could be Jazz men after Damian Lillard's trade. With your next listen, listen to, of course, Locked on NBA, where you can really hear all angles of this trade. And your next time you're on Locked on Jazz for your everydayers, look forward to the boss man, David Locks, taking his, his rightful spot on the throne. He's going to break down some of the jazz new, new rumors, both about the TV deal 
and he knows more about that than I do. So I'll just mention it in passing. The Jazz have put out a nice TV deal with varying prices for different packages that allows for Jazz fans to watch the Jazz wherever they are, and and you pay a subscription price, and you're also gifted a hat and a T-shirt. He knows more about that, so I'll let him do more of the promotion about that, and I will give you my predictions here. But look forward to that, as well as his preparation for you guys ahead of the preseason, which is not far away, and I am excited about it, and I hope you guys are as well. All right, with that said, let me talk to you about what I think the Jazz are going to do this season. I've thought about this a long time, and I've alluded to this a couple times in terms of like my projections for the front court, if you guys have listened to that one, or maybe how I feel like the key to the Jazz, which I mentioned in a previous episode, was John Collins. So I, I mean, some of this may be redundant in terms of the way I think they score, but bear with me. I think the Jazz players in this order are going to be the ones who play the most. Lowry Markkinen, Walker Kessler, John Collins, Jordan Clarkson. Those are the four with the most minutes, and I think those are the four with the most minutes by a decent margin, actually. Then I would say Ochag Baji comes in fifth. Then Colin Sexton. Then Kelly Olenek. Then Omer Yurt seven. That's not all of the minutes. So don't don't like disillusion yourself into me thinking I'm saying that that is all of the minutes for the Utah Jazz. 48 times 5, which is the amount of players there are. 48 is the minutes per game. That means there's 240 minutes to go around. That is not all 240, but it is the vast majority of it. And I'll break it down for you in a second. So I think Lowry Markkinen averages about the same numbers he did last year, which for those of you unfamiliar is if you round up about 26 and 8 or 9. You know, like he, I, I think he'll be in a similar category i i don't know if it's fair to assume he will be scoring that much more i think he's a better player so larry Markin is 25.6 and 8.6 so 26 and 9 i think he'll be about 26 and 9 again i think he will be more integral into the utah jazz success i think the jazz may be looking for more success and i think they're going to play in more games that mean a lot later in the season it, it became more or less I wouldn't say empty calorie because Lowry Markin's at the top of your scouting report, but it mattered less. I think Lowry Markin is going to be keyed in on more because he's more established now this year, but also I think he holds a more burdensome role where he's going to be distributing more often. I think Lowry Markin plays about 36 minutes per game. So three quarters of the game and scores you about 26 and nine. And he's going to do it on good efficiency and get you more assists and maybe do some more ball handling than you may anticipate. I've mentioned this before. I think the jazz are going to, be a little more egalitarian in who's bringing the ball up. Second, I think Walker Kessler is going to be second on the team in minutes. It's going to be Walker Kessler is going to play in 31 minutes per game is my prediction. It's hard for Biggs to play too much more. I could see him playing more, but he's got to get foul trouble under control. The Jazz also have strength in their front court, and I think it's important to keep Walker Kessler rested, energized, because when he's at his best, it's when he's full of energy and running the floor being someone who deters everything at the rim. And I think the Jazz really prioritize him being at his absolute best. I expect Walker Kessler to take a jump and be a double-double guy this year. 13 points and 11 rebounds is my anticipation for Walker Kessler. Now, third in minutes is interesting because it's also in the front court. And you're saying, wait a minute, we have a couple good players on our bench that also play in the front court. And you're talking about all these guys being the lead minutes guy. How does that add up? It's a good question. John Collins has averaged around 30 minutes a game per uh, in his career. It, that, that's just what he's done. And I don't think the Jazz 
are too dissimilar from where the Hawks were. So John Collins' rookie year, he scored 11 a game, played 24 minutes. In his second year, he scored, he played 30 minutes a game, scored 20 a game. He played 33 minutes a game his third year, he scored basically 22 a game. In his fourth season, he's played 30 minutes per game and scored 18 a game. Two years ago, he played 31 minutes per game, averaged 16 per game. Last year, he played 30 minutes even and averaged 13 a game. I think the trend here is he's about 30 minutes a game. And I I think he'll be about 30 minutes a game. And he's going to play a lot of minutes in the starting unit as the four. And I think he'll play a fair amount of minutes in the second unit as the five. And Omar Yurt seven may be the casualty of John Collins's versatility, but I think the Jazz are going to really prioritize John Collins, and I think he's the X factor of the Jazz, as I mentioned. Jordan Clarkson, I think he'll be a starter like he was last year. Last year he played about thirty-two minutes per game, and there's no Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley to hoard those guard minutes. So I think jo- Jordan Clarkson is going to play about thirty minutes per game, average around eighteen and four. I think he's going to score a little bit fewer. In terms of points, I think he's going to play more of the point guard, though. And similar to Markin, I think he's going to draw a lot of attention. Maybe his efficiency could wane at times, but I think he's going to be more integral to success, playing a leadership role, someone that's tasked with having the ball in his hands more frequently. Now I get to the fifth starter, which I think in time the best lineup will be that of Ochag Baji playing alongside Clarkson, Collins, Kessler, and Markin. I've got Ochag Baji, who played about 20 minutes a game as a rookie. He obviously played very little sparingly in the first half of the season, played more in the second half, and played a ton in the second half, which made his number a fairly decent dent in the minutes, about 20. I think he's going to play about 25 minutes a game, just over half of the game. I think he's going to average around nine points per game and be a solid 3 and D guy who takes significant strides in terms of the quality of basketball. His numerical numbers may not differ that much from the seven and change he scored a game to nine and change that I anticipate. But I think he's going to be a more... Uh, aggressive, more assertive player, someone who's able to play uh, with more versatility and be a better defender, which I think is going to be huge for the Jazz's possibility of succeeding because he's one of the prototypes for what the Jazz want to do. Be bigger, longer, more athletic, and he's one of the guys who has that positional size the Jazz look for. I then have Colin Sexton playing 24 minutes a game. Sexton played about 23 minutes a game last year. I don't think even though the role has opened up a bit with the absence of Mike Conley and and now there is potentially space that he gets too many more minutes because I don't think the Jazz necessarily see Colin Sexton as a point guard. I think they see him as a, a bench scoring two or someone who could be a fifth starter. And either way, I think they're going to, because of the longing to be bigger and the longer longing to uh, play these lineups that have versatility and who's going to bring up the ball and where they add value by having, you know, a lot of players who can do it. I think that hurts Colin Sexton's amount of playing time and thus his productivity is slightly sapped, but I think his efficiency could go up for it being a six man type of guy, a guy who picks on second units and scores as more of a catalyst, a spark plug than a true stalwart point guard. Uh, I have him scoring 13 points a game. And then I have Kelly Olenek as the seventh most minutes per game for Utah Jazz. I think Kelly Olenek plays about 22 minutes a game. He played 29 last year. I think John Collins' addition, maybe even Omar Yurt Sevens, maybe Taylor Hendricks's, sapped those minutes a little bit. But Kelly Olenek is still going to be someone who creates as a secondary creator, someone who spaces the floor, play, gives you good minutes offensively and defensively, commands 
uh, effort from his teammates and knows how to play, where to be. I, I got him scoring about nine points per game. So if you add that up, that's 42 minutes left for a combination of Omer Yurtseven, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Keontae George, who I think will comprise the rest of the regular rotation. So that's 10 players deep. Uh, I, I think 42 minutes between those three players is 14 minutes a game. And I don't think any of them are actually going to reach 14, but there's going to be other players who factor in. That's, that's the way I see it. I think Keontae George, I hope gets to around 14 minutes per game by the end of the season, maybe even more, but I can't really anticipate that much more. Maybe Taylor Hendricks has an impressive camp and you heard Richard Stamen, my guy talking about how he thinks he's the seventh best player in the draft. Still, we haven't seen anything to disprove his original thought, which, which is where Richard had him. I had him nine in the draft. I just think it's hard because the Jazz got Collins. They have Olenek already coming uh, coming off the bench along with Yurt Seven, who's an established player in the NBA. Uh, THT, it's a question who plays more here, Sexton. I think it's going to be Sexton, which is why I said it here. But let me know what you think there. That, that's the way I see it. And if you want, if just for those of you who aren't mathematically inclined, I'll do the math for you. 26 from Lowry Marketing, 13 from Walker Kessler, uh, 16 from John Collins. That's 55 points so far. 18 from Jordan Clarkson, that's 73. Ochag Baji, 9, that gets you to 82. Sexton with 13, that's 95. Kelly Olenek with 9 points. And now I think the Jazz score about 117 points a game. I think they're going to be one of the better offenses in the in the league. And you got a couple players left in the rotation to comprise those extra points. I, I think this is pretty feasible. Let me know what you think in the comments as well. And thank you for listening to Locked On Jazz. This is it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. So I mean, this from the most sincere place in my heart. I always appreciate the platform that David Locke has allowed me and you guys, of course, for listening, responding and supporting this podcast and me when I do it. So I look forward to talking to you guys again soon, whether that be at the jazz games on jazz game rewinds or back on this very same platform. But as always, you guys know my catchphrase, go jazz.